Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read the 16th chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read it, you can do that now. You'll want to join back in at approximately 4 minutes and 40 seconds. The Pharisees and Sadducees approached and tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be good weather because the sky is red. And in the morning, Today will be stormy because the sky is red and threatening. You know how to read the appearance of the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. The disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus told them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing among themselves, We didn't bring any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said, You of little faith, why are you discussing among among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you collected? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many large baskets you collected? Why is it you don't understand that when I told you, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't about bread? Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven and bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, to be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. 
Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. We're going to divide this chapter into two sections. I'm going to start with 1 through 12, and then we're going to move on to 13 through the end. Let me just give you the observations that I have for the first part. I noticed that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were united to test Jesus, and they asked him for a sign. Jesus' response was that they did understand the signs of the 24-hour days, but they can't understand the signs that are happening all around them in his healings and setting the captives free. So this comes right after he warns them about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you're not recognizing the signs of the Holy Spirit, but you can recognize the signs of the day, I've just given you a bunch of signs, and now you're asking me for a sign. This, You're not even making sense. Mm-hmm. Jesus refuses to give them signs, saying that their only sign will be the sign of Jonah. Then he follows us up by walking away with the disciples. And as he's walking away with the disciples, he starts to talk about leaven and bread. They're talking amongst themselves. Here's another situation where Jesus, the disciples are talking amongst themselves, and you can kind of picture them going, this is interpretation, because now I'm just imagining myself in the story. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of picture them going like, did, did you bring bread? I didn't bring bread, did you? It wasn't my job. Whose job was bread? And so we're picturing them kind of talking amongst themselves going, shoot, we didn't bring bread. And Jesus hears them, hears their hearts. And again, he is just addressing what they're not saying out loud because he knows what they're, what they're saying. He basically respi- reminds them that he had just given, I mean, literally in the chapter before. Right. just, literally just. just. Mm-hmm. fed 4,000. 4, and right before that had fed 5,000. So... It was at that point that Jesus was that they realized that Jesus was helping them to understand spiritual things. They again, they were had these mm-hmm. physical signs, and Jesus was saying, "What about the spiritual signs? Like mm-hmm. you're missing all of these things mm-hmm. that I'm doing right among you." Which I love it when I think we've talked a little bit about how it's kind of hard to see Jesus talk in parables. Like we want him to just say it. But I love it when there are examples of parables and then he explains himself immediately afterwards. Like uh, this yes. one where he's like, guys, I'm talking about, and yes. he explains what he's saying. Yeah. He wants them to get it in the parable, but when they don't, he he's like, okay, let me lay it out for you. Yes. And I actually never really noticed until I've studied, until I've studied Matthew closely how often Jesus mm-hmm. really does explain to yeah. them. And even in explaining to them, they still don't under they don't still don't fully understand. Yeah. I, I'm sure that they think that they understand, mm-hmm. and we'll see it later. But there was a a passage where you see we might not see it. I think it was in Luke where, after Jesus's resurrection, you see that he takes that time with them and he walks among them and during those forty days and he explains all that. That had was in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. all of the ways that it was fulfilled in what he had just done, mm-hmm. and so it makes you wonder whether what they did understand and how much more he explained to them mm-hmm. afterwards. 
I think we've talked about how frustrating the Gospels can be for yeah. that purpose. Yeah. It's like he's just talking and talking and talking and nobody's understanding anything mm-hmm. that he's saying. And again, we were talking about how this is these books were written later. So they definitely didn't understand what he was saying mm-hmm. while it was happening. They're writing it down now because they do understand and right they want us after, to see yeah. that they didn't understand at the time and how yeah. it all works together. So anyway, I saw for my interpretation, I wrote, in one breath, Jesus tells the Pharisees and Sadducees that they will only see the sign of Jonah because they were testing him, but they weren't actually seeking understanding. But in the very next breath, to those who truly desire to understand, um, he pointed out the signs and wonders he had just done before, twice, with the fishes and loaves. Mm-hmm. So he is explaining the signs to mm-hmm. those who really desire, and to those who don't, he's really not wasting his time. Mm-hmm. Jesus wanted the disciples to know that he will always be providing for them physically, but in the midst of him providing for them physically, he's also going to be teaching them spiritually. So while he's providing the bread mm-hmm. and he's providing all of these physical things, he's actually teaching the spiritual um, lesson that goes with it. So in here, he's talking about the leaven and he's telling them to be careful about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which are all flesh. It's all very fleshly and surface teaching rather than focusing on the spiritual, the deeper heart mm-hmm. meanings of th- those same teachings. Mm-hmm. And leaven too. I mean, that picture of earlier, he talks about like one measure of leaven leavens the whole lump so like and he was actually talking about that in the kingdom of heaven right right. leaven being a good thing right Mm -hmm. and oh yeah and so then in this he's talking about how that leaven that the that spreads whatever the pharisees are teaching it spreads really quickly and easily yes so it's it works both ways the kingdom of heaven is like leaven and then also the teaching of the pharisees and the sadducees is also like Mm -hmm. leaven equally they both spread, and they, we should be careful how we mm-hmm. let um, those false teachings in and how quickly they mm-hmm. can spread. So for application, <laughs> this is interesting because I, I think this actually happened. I think I got this application before I actually encountered this in real time. But the application that I got from this is that when we are going about the work of the kingdom, there are people who are going to come up to us, and they're going to want to test our teaching or they're going to want to test us without any real desire to learn, but to see whether what we know and how closely we're following what they believe. Before we spend a whole lot of time engaging in those conversations, we should be looking for, we should know that we don't have to. Basically, we see from Jesus even that he's not, uh, he's not wasting his time on people mm-hmm. that really aren't interested in learning. Yeah. He's spending his time focusing on the, the soil. Yes, he spreads seeds without worrying about the soil, or the condition of people's hearts, but at the same time, he's not separating the people who are who want to learn from the people who don't want to learn. There's always going to be those people right, all mixed, mixed in the crowd, yeah. right? But the people that he's investing his time in mm-hmm. and his, the, the reason that he's using his words and explaining things mm-hmm. are the people who are genuinely there to mm-hmm. learn and who are genu- genuinely hungry. Right. And, um, Which is kind of where we get our m- modern methods of like discipleship versus just preaching on a Sunday morning or yes. it's more mm-hmm. it's more intimate and personal and relational and that yes. kind of stuff yes for, with the people that genuinely want to learn right yeah yeah so that's the first part of the chapter the second part of the chapter where we're talking about Peter's confession of the Messiah his death and resurrection predicted this is where I'm actually going to focus a little bit more of my time even more so than the taking up your cross but it's interesting that this 
you know, I actually studied this, you know, when I wrote this down was months ago mm-hmm. when I did this portion of Matthew. But today, uh, as I was re- reading and studying, doing my inductive study on Acts, this passage is what came to mind. And I actually came back and referenced it as I was doing my interpretation. That's so, cool. yeah, so we'll see how this, this goes. Okay. So here they're in Caesarea. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Jesus asks, who do they yeah. say the son of man is? Um, why does he refer to himself as the Son of Man is my question there. Disciples answered that different people have different answers. The disciples have been listening to the crowds. That's my observation from that observation before led me to that next one. Jesus asks who his disciples say he is. Peter's the one that answers with certainty. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus referred to himself in the question about the other people's perspectives as the son of man. Mm-hmm. Jesus phrased the question to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Other people see him as the son of man. Peter knows him to be the son of God. Jesus says Peter is blessed not because he correctly identified him, but because the Holy Spirit revealed the father and the son to him. And God is the only one that reveals God. Jesus tells Peter that he'll build his church. He told the disciples not to tell anybody that he's the Messiah. Once the disciples recognized him as the Messiah, Jesus started telling them how crazy things were about to get. Peter took Jesus aside. I don't think I realized before that Jesus takes him aside. So he does this kind of quietly on their own. Publicly, Peter announces him to be the the son of God. Yeah. Yeah. But then privately, Peter takes Jesus aside and says, basically says, this will never happen to you. And privately, Jesus calls him Satan, tells him to get behind me, Satan, because you care more about the things of man rather than the concerns of God. Okay, so interpretation wise, Jesus knows what the crowds think, but he's concerned about what his own disciples believe to be true about him. When Peter correctly identifies him, Jesus says he's blessed because the Father revealed it. (laughs) And I think this is where I realized that, like, Peter is the very first man to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, like, this is a critical moment in history. At least as far as we know and publicly like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, Peter's the first one to say in front of all of his friends, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm Mm -hmm. just going to say what I think, which is that you are indeed Mm -hmm. the Son of God, the Messiah. Well, and I wonder how much they had discuss this among themselves the disciples like if they'd been like so because surely they talked they're listening about it. to the crowds yeah. everything yeah like they're... so who do you think this guy is and so i wonder if if simon kind of got lucky i mean not really but you know what i'm saying <laughs> that he got to be the like he's like oh i'm gonna say it first like <laughs> raise my hand quick pick me pick me yeah well like that's leadership right that's but, the boldness right. of leadership yes. to go out and say you know what this is what we're all saying but nobody really wants to say it out loud mm-hmm. so i'm just going to go ahead and say what we yes. all think which is you're the son of god and mm-hmm. he's like blessed are you and that's i think would probably be the reason that jesus would say you are the one i will build my church on right. and sure enough right in, acts, in acts yeah he becomes that first pastor and i maybe one day we'll do this with acts but what i've noticed in acts today is that I'm, don't cry. What is wrong with me? Okay. So Peter watches. Peter's redeemed. Peter's filled with the Spirit. Peter gives his first sermon. And 3,000 people 
who were all the people that were there screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He tells all of these people, you crucified the Messiah. And the next line, it says they were cut to the heart and they asked, what must we do? And I was thinking about those people and what it would have been like to be cut to the heart. I mean, I've been guilty of a lot of things, but I never killed the Messiah. You know what I mean? Like, how, what kind of, as a Jew, you're wondering now, do I, like, what do I have to do to get cleansed from killing the Savior of the world? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, mm-hmm. what that, must that have been like to be listening to Peter's sermon and to be cut to the heart and to find out, like, what, what is it that I have to do? And Peter says to all of these people who are guilty of killing his love, like the love of his life, <laughs> repent and be baptized. Like, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's like, all of you who killed this person that I loved, all you have to do is repent and be baptized and you receive the same gift as me, equal mm-hmm. access to the Savior who I loved that you killed. Like, Talk about a man who was more concerned about God's concerns than about mm-hmm. man's concerns in that moment. Like, that was just such a, he's just, what a redeemer we have. Yeah. And yeah. then think about all those people, too. The parable where this guy is in a lot of debt and he comes in and mm-hmm. his master forgives him and he, he goes out and, like, doesn't forgive anybody? No. And, like, mm-hmm. beats and murders and the people that can't pay him. And so. That's what it makes me think of, too. Like, those people in that crowd, mm-hmm. how they would have recognized that they had been forgiven much. Yes. And so how, not that we feel, not that we feel redemption on different levels, I think, because all of us have that thing that makes us feel like we're forgiven mm-hmm. much. But, man, just, it makes me think about Axe's early church and things spreading. Like, you think about a crowd of 3,000 people, yes. and maybe not every single one of them, but, like, that is how it's like wildfire you know those people that recognized okay we just killed the messiah and now one of his disciples is telling us that it's okay and (laughs) not only is it not as only is he telling him that it's okay but then in the net like then we see that they live together they live together they eat together they break bread together they go to the synagogue together like they do all of life together Mm -hmm. from that point on completely united in the father's love and again you peter i just love i could study just Peter probably my whole life but Peter's the one that was denying Jesus Mm -hmm. as he looks up at the face of Jesus I mean he looks up in the middle of denying him and sees Jesus looking at him knowing exactly what he's doing and then comes back when he's raised to life and he you know and redeems that whole situation so Peter of all people knows forgiveness he knows redemption he knows um, restoration so in that parable of the guy who's been forgiven much and doesn't forgive like Peter that's not Peter yeah he gets it which is pretty powerful. Yeah. So I'm crying at the end of day 16. The applications here seem a little bit obvious. Application, who do I say Jesus is? God can reveal something eternally important in one moment, and I can declare something to be true that impedes the kingdom in the very next moment. <laughs> I love that about Peter. I just love I love his, him. Yeah, he's so human <laughs> so he's human just a person he's so human and mm-hmm. so um his humanity through the gospels makes the spirit of god so clear mm-hmm. in acts yes right right because all, peter does a lot of incredible stuff in acts right? yes i mean he is the representation of jesus on mm-hmm. earth in acts like he does he he carries on all of jesus's mm-hmm. work the miracles signs and the wonders are all yeah. happening through peter 
this broken man and mm-hmm. the fact that we get to see who he is and what mm-hmm. he does in acts that in one paragraph he's getting the kingdom the keys to the kingdom of heaven and the very next paragraph Jesus is telling him, Satan, get behind me. We mm-hmm. can see that he's no different than us. Right. He is no different than and us. And yet God chose to use him in an incredible way. Yeah. And not just that, but that's how we get to see how the Spirit of God works and can work through us. Right. It doesn't change our humanity, but the Spirit of God, God becomes yes. glorified because that is what the Spirit does yeah. in us. It's a, I feel like it's a picture of a lot of cool things. Yeah. So I, one of the things I have enjoyed noticing as we go through this is just the repeats and the themes that come up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of helps me see a little bit the bigger picture of what Jesus was trying to teach yes. by seeing the things that he focused on because he repeated them over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last section he talks, he says again, uh, he talks about losing your life. People that want to save their lives will lose it and whoever loses their life will, will find it. And he's talked, he's talked about that at least one other time in Matthew. Sometimes it's kind of frustrating to read how Jesus came and turned everything upside down. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it's kind just another reminder. Yes, it's reassuring. It's like mm-hmm. the things that we mess that we worry about here are yes. not the things that matter. And again, it makes me think of um, John in prison and how you were talking the other day about like he probably was like, um, I thought you were setting captives free. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you know, like all of yes. these things that we just yeah get caught up in the things that are this life and that this is just preparing us for what is really life yes. and what's to come. And so, and anyway, I just like seeing this. I want to go out on a limb here and say that I feel like, you know, I kind of avoid talking about rewards, like heavenly rewards, mm-hmm. what those look like and what qualifies and stuff. But I think that we can be sure based on the themes that we see all throughout scripture, but even in the black and white here in this picture, that the more that we give up here, the more mm-hmm. that we lose here, the more rewards we will have mm-hmm. in heaven. So, you know, he definitely talks about the martyrs in mm-hmm. Revelation. You know, when you give up, when you lose your life mm-hmm. for the sake of the kingdom, there will be rewards in heaven mm-hmm. for that. And I think that that goes for any amount of brokenness that we go through for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Those those things are, all of that get stored up in heaven mm-hmm. those treasures and trusting that that brokenness or the loss or whatever that we're going through that we that we release and we let go to him those are the things that he's taking and those become our treasures mm-hmm. eternally does that make sense yeah thanks for listening to this episode of dive matthew if you enjoyed our version of inductive bible study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the bible together Come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.